All right, what is up, all you good, beautiful, wonderful citizens of Crypt Nation? It's your host, Bryce Paul, and today I'm not joined by my compadre, Pizza Mind. He is MIA. Uh, he's actually in Texas right now. Um, but we have a special announcement. Uh, if you guys have been tuning in, you will know that we have the Crypto 2020 Summit that we are hosting. Uh, this is going to be January 29th to January 31st. We got over 60 of the biggest, baddest speakers in crypto presenting on their projections for 2020, what their projects are going to be doing, all sorts of fun forecasts. It's going to really be amazing. And the best part of it all is it's free and it is online. So go ahead to www.crypto2020summit.com and register for your free ticket, and we hope to see you there. Today, we are joined by two co-founders, some brilliant chaps, uh, Benjamin Jorgensen, the CEO and co-founder of Constellation Network, and Matthias Goldman, who is a co-founder and VP of finance at Constellation Network, ticker DAG. Gentlemen, welcome to Crypto 101. Thanks, Bryce. Really Thank great, you. great intro. So Thank much you. energy there. <laughs> we like to keep the energy really high here uh, because we kind of are operating in the most exciting space uh, in the world. I would say. Would you guys agree? Dude, I totally agree. Uh, you know, it's funny. We have a, a coin uh, name uh, for for people that are so energetic in the space. We call them cryptolectuals. Ooh, I like that. We call sure, uh, sure. we call everybody here at uh, Encrypt Nation Crypto One Hundred and One. We call them Crusaders or uh, citizens because we like to make sure that everybody uh, is included in this movement and on a mission. Um, so, just to kick things off, Matthias, um, at a high level, why should the average Joe care about cryptocurrency? Well, first and foremost, thank you for having us here, Bryce. It's it's a pleasure to be to be on your show. And yeah, why why does it really matter? And I think cryptocurrencies are one of the most exciting developments uh, on a technological, but also on a sociological level uh, of our times right now. And, uh, you know, if you want to be at the forefront, then it, it always pays out to to pay attention to what's going on. And that's just on a very broad scale. And Ben, what do you think? What 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 is so novel about cryptocurrency or blockchain or in uh, Constellation Network's case, the directed acyclic graphs, which is kind of an an analog to blockchain? You know, what does this all enable? Yeah, Bryce, I, I think it's a great question, um, and I have to back what Matthias said. There is a there is a like a social movement that's a huge component of of crypto that people don't really talk about. Because communities talk about the technology and their and like how it works and what it does and describing the how. And we stop to think, if we stop to see what the movement is about how uh, generations are coming together to, to partake in this gamification of a digital currency and a future vision for what connected technologies looks like, like there, it, it actually becomes a very simple play. Uh, people like to watch movies like Blade Runner that talk about this futuristic world that we live in. And they love sci-fi and Star Wars and how all these new technologies come to life. So what if there's actually, what if we, you know, we've actually created this reality of a world um, that can be possible. 
And it's, and it's not, you know, it's, it's crazy to say this, but you know, when you watch like James Bond movies from the past, you go, wow, that, that cool new gadget that James Bond has. And then like 10 years later, we have it, right? <laughs> it's the same thing, but we're actually living it. And so, yeah, you know, what, what constellation with the DAG, the, you know, the DAG is just an architecture or a directed acyclic graph. And this architecture allows for uh, big data processing and the organization of big data. And what that really means, that's actually nothing novel. That's actually done in centralized computing or distributed computing systems. And we're bringing it to the crypto space to let crypto and blockchain kind of see a reality. So you mentioned big data, and that's something that we don't actually talk a lot about uh, on Crypto 101, but it's something that is so integral to the space and to you know, technology at large. So could you kind of break down what is big data? Yeah, big data is like everything data. I just call it everything. Big data is like, you know, living in San Francisco. We're just being consumed by data just day in and day out. We put off so much data. The average consumer puts out 1.7 megabytes of data every second. Holy crap. Um, The average consumer will have four devices uh, that are putting out. They own four devices in roughly three years. That'll be the average across the globe. That is so many data points, whether it's like clicking a button on a website or it's processing your credit card at the coffee store or walking in the door at a store or buying something. You're creating so many different data points. And so we're producing large amounts of data. And so we've, we've all heard about artificial intelligence. Well, artificial intelligence is like uh, the food is big data and artificial intelligence is like the animal, right? And so how healthy, yeah, how healthy, healthy do you want to make this animal, right? You could feed it a bunch of junk. You could feed it whatever you want, or you could feed it like a lot of plants and it's going to be healthy and it's going to get big, but artificial intelligence is running our, our world and it feeds off of big data. Artificial intelligence makes recommendations on what to buy on Amazon, or it helps identify fraud on your credit card. Um, there's, Big data produces uh, the insights of our digital world today. And so I noticed, um, you know, I've seen you guys speak and I read your site uh, and, you know, I see that you guys talk a lot about, you know, good data versus bad data and kind of like the Constellation Network being the, the way to get good data and ensure that that data is not bad. I mean, what does that mean? Yeah, I don't think they're, you know, actually, I don't mean to correct you. Uh, Bryce, but you know, there's there's actually really no ba- bad data. Um, it's about validating data. So uh, you know, when you look at data, it's valid versus invalid, right? So when you look at, you could say bad, bad data is something that doesn't meet your threshold, right? Uh, ben lives in San Francisco and is in San Francisco shopping right now. Well, that's not true. I'm actually in London right now, so that's an anomaly. But yet I'm Ben Jorgensen, right? That doesn't make it bad. It just makes it an anomaly. So what Constellation kind of focuses on, and I don't want to get too in the weeds of this, but we're focusing on validating data that comes into the system, right? Like it's terrible when we get a recommendation for some clothing line and it's for a female, uh, for a female and we're a male, right? It's not necessarily bad. Okay. It's just an anomaly. So there might be something wrong with the data that's coming in. Okay, interesting. And, and so Constellation is a solution for that? And, or how does that yeah. work? 
So consolation is providing governance of data or validating mm. data sets that come in there. If it recognizes an anomaly, um, we can signal, signal uh, that data set to correct. Uh, and so really what Constellation's value proposition to kind of bring it back is to validate and secure data so that people don't tamper and spoof that data to provide false insights into that data set so that we get better data, that we get better AI and better uh, intelligence. You could think about um, an autonomous car is producing or a car in general is producing tons of data every second that what you need a mechanism in place to make sure that there isn't some sort of tampering or putting fake data into a system because that okay. can take, derail the car and then the car is going to crash into a building and it, it's going to blow up. And what Constellation does is we provide security around big data sets so that people can't tamper with that. And you can see the fruition of artificial intelligence. So you kind of get like an audit trail of data points and, you know, because all of them are linked together, I guess, by hashes. And if a certain piece of data is tampered with, then it throws off the entire chain of data. And you could kind of say, hey, this is where a fraudulent uh, or a, you know, a spoof piece of data came in or is that how it works yeah that's that's exactly right that's, oh, that's nice. right on the point like um we're creating this immutable audit trail right and so you could think about like what where has blockchain technology been today we have created uh, a cryptographic way to secure a ledger balance and we focus on transactions because it's a very binary exchange i give you something and I have something in my wallet to give you. You receive it, and a whole network validates that. Well, what Constellation is saying is that we think data, like giant bats of data like Facebook and Amazon produce, should be governed by people. We should all be able to say, hey, that is my data set, and I can give you that data set. So it takes, you know, we go, we're evolving, looking at, at cryptographically securing a ledger balance and evolving it to to cryptographically secure complex data sets. Okay, so I, I think I'm understanding this. So, so Matthias, this is kind of where a decentralized like data marketplace comes in, right? That's correct, exactly. And and as Ben said, I mean, th there are several aspects that play into that, right? Not only should people have the authority and thus actually sovereignty to uh, you, to determine where their data goes, right? Because with data, everything becomes transparent to a third party. And that's exactly how most, you know, companies in the digital space um, make their money these days. And um, yeah, just to help, help you with Matthias is saying basically that like we look at data marketplaces today and it seems to be the natural way to go, right? I want to sell my data set to an advertiser and this advertiser like Nike is willing to pay for that data set because I'm 10 times more likely to buy something than Matthias. But in order to sell that, that data, you have to make sure it's valid, it's clean. There aren't any anomalies for that person to buy that. So before we get to a data marketplace, we have to make sure it's clean and secure. And we know that nobody tampered with it. And then we can sell that data into a marketplace. Does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. And so it kind of sounds like, you know, me as an average consumer, I could 
you know, opt out of the general or the, the traditional ways. And I could kind of opt into the DAG uh, that you guys are putting together and I could start to monetize the data that I produce. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, think about it one perspective. This is kind of a like an eye-opening moment is that when we sign, we, we, we download an app and we confirm a terms and service, whether it's Facebook or Instagram or all these apps. And that terms of service basically says that we're giving up our user data, our behavior, what we click, how we click, how frequently we click, how much we spend, and that they can sell it. So there's this whole other marketplace going on and we blindly give them acceptance to use their application because we say that to use that app is really, that that's worth it. But we don't know is how much our data is being sold on the back end. So what if there was a mechanism whereby which we could secure all of our behavior and our, our, our patterns of clicking and purchasing and be able to monetize our own data and actually sell that. And then we could actually get appropriately, um, we could actually earn money towards the, to our terms and service and understand that fair value exchange that could occur and thus creating a viable marketplace. Does so that make sense? Oh, it does. And like it, it definitely, I mean, everybody says, oh, data is the new oil and data is becoming more valuable. So kind of an analogy that I just thought of or you inspired is like how data is to, uh, or sorry, oil is to cars as data is to algorithms, where algorithms are powering everything that we do online for our recommendations, all sort of stuff, just like how, um, you know, data is the only way that an algorithm could, you know, learn who we are, just in the same way that the only way a car could move is with oil. God, I mean, that's actually really brilliant. <laughs> that was great. So, so tell me a little bit about uh, the DAG token um, and, and like what is it, its role? Because I think a, a lot of people get tripped up here uh, just in general with like, okay, cool, you guys have, uh, you know, there's a blockchain or there's this, you know, distributed database. Um, but why can't I just use my Visa card or why can't I get paid in cash or why can't I even get paid in, you know, Bitcoin, for instance? So, so what's the DAG token? Right. And maybe maybe I can shed some light on that. And there are really different aspects to that, right? So the, the fundamental question is, why are we using a token at all? And the answer to that is, we, are, um, we have developed a, a new infrastructure, as Ben said, that can validate big data sets. And we are not just running off of an existing network like Ethereum or Bitcoin. So that's one of the main reasons and that we use our own cryptocurrency. And in order to secure such a network, you have to have validators and nodes and, or, or miners, as they are called on other networks. And, and these need to be incentivized, right? So that's one of the reasons uh, why we have our own DAG currency, because we have an incentive mechanism that's built into the network infrastructure that aligns the incentives of all participants. And, and real now, quick, let me stop you just for, for the listeners, because you say validators, um, and basically what the validators are doing, and correct me if I'm wrong, is they're just agreeing on the state of the network, right? Could you dive yes. into that a little bit more? Yes. So, so the validators or nodes, as they're called in, in other networks, they validate the transactions that happen in the network. And the mechanism by which that happens is uh, the consensus mechanism or the consensus protocol. And the consensus protocol, which in our case is proof of reputable observation to be technical, which is uh, reputation based, okay. uh, makes sure that all the transactions in the network are 
correct and valid and nobody spoofs or tampers uh, with the network integrity. Okay, very interesting. And, and are there applications for this, um, you know, kind of like in the IoT space? I feel like that would be really, really applicable is, you know, you have all these devices on the edge. Like, for instance, I heard a story um, a couple of years ago about um, somebody hacking in through an IoT device and, and they stole a bunch of money from a casino, but the IoT device was a water temperature thermometer uh, in a, an aquarium. And it was just happened to be internet connected, but there was some type of vulnerability that a hacker could gain access to the entire network through this. So is there a way that something like uh, Constellation Network would be able to mitigate that kind of risk? I've never heard that that use case, but that's a pretty amazing <laughs> use case that I just learned today. Uh, so absolutely, um, networks have a lot of vulnerability. And when we think of IoT, we're thinking, you know, how, you know, the internet controls our thermometer or thermostat in, 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 the, in the house or turns on our lights. And that's how we, we see IoT and these connected things. Uh, but really, IoT hasn't really evolved for the past 20 years. And some of the reasons it hasn't evolved is because of the security threats prone to networks, like you just pointed out. And that those networks have, have data that are transacting um, amongst devices in real time. Right. And those networks are prone to, to a lot of threat vectors. Uh, so what Constellation would do would actually protect the data that's being transacted between those different devices in that IoT network. Okay, very cool. Um, and is that where like data sovereignty enforced by infrastructure comes in? Yes, that's a, that's exactly where it comes. So, for example, we're working with the United States Air Force uh, and the De- Department of Defense, and data sovereignty for them is about making decisions in the field. So, if you're creating all this data in the field, it doesn't have time to go back to a to a server and be stored and secured and then analyzed and then produce logic. Even though we're talking about maybe, you know, minutes um, in, or even like tens of thirties of seconds, um, those seconds are incredibly valuable when you're talking about human lives. Uh, so data, data sovereignty kind of exists amongst the ability for data to be freely exchanged amongst devices. Okay, so it's kind of bringing security to the edge. Mm-hmm. That's exactly the, the best way uh, to put it. Love it. That's really cool. Do you have a friend who's interested in getting into cryptocurrency, but they don't know where to start building their portfolio? Well, we have the answer. It's called Copy Trader by eToro. With Copy Trader, you can automatically copy every trade of eToro's top crypto traders, just like myself or Bryce or Kevin, at the exact price point and in real time. No need to study up on markets or develop your own strategies. Simply just sign up and copy our trades. Any profits that we make, you do too. Proportional to your investment, of course. With eToro, you get access to the world's most popular cryptocurrencies with transparent trading fees, all in one easy-to-use app. Copy the smart money with eToro. Join now at eToro.com crypto101. Thank you. So now I kind of want to get into just like who you guys like. I'm curious, like, how did you guys meet? Like, and of all the companies you guys could have co-founded together, like what made you guys want to co-found this this awesome, awesome company? 
Wow. So Matthias, do you want to jump in or you want me to? <laughs> well, well, <laughs> so, I mean, that, that would be a really long story, but I, yeah. <laughs> I, I, I tried to make it short. So I moved to the Bay Area about three years ago and I'm, I've been, you know, having my tabs on the crypto space literally since day one. And I'm, you know, always interested in, in seeing what's the next interesting, exciting thing. And being in Silicon Valley, you know, you meet people and, and the minute I met Wired, and that was even before Constellation was founded, uh, it, it drew me in because the breadth and the width of that idea and the applications of a DAG infrastructure, and I'm being very technical here, but, but just thinking that all through and what that means as a third generation blockchain technology for the world at large, uh, that just blew my mind. And, um, and then, you know, getting to know the team closer, um, you know, I was first money into the project and then it became very clear that uh, over time that we actually have to co-found and work together as well. And um, yeah. Amazing. Yeah, I think what you'll find is that, you know, we all we all invested in this project and we all met each other in San Francisco in, in very different paths. And I would say that, um, you know, I uh, personally, I was looking for the next big project. I had sold my ad tech company in 2015 and was doing a bunch of angel investing to kind of understand some humility of myself. Was I a good leader? Do I know how to grow a business? And you don't, when you're building something, you don't always have that uh, introspective moment. Um, and so when I, I, you know, I met Matthias at a co-working um, spot in San Francisco that was kind of trying to build a community Wyatt, our, our CTO and co-founder and kind of the brains behind the network, uh, I met in the same way. Somebody, you know, introduced me to him as this great new platform or great new idea that's evolving um, uh, blockchain technology today. And then Benjamin Diggles, our other co-founder, I actually met at my previous company um, and he was at Oracle. And we, um, my company at the time, did an integration with Oracle. Uh, and that's how I got to know him on a working level that, um, you know, over the past couple of years, we all kind of came together at different stages uh, to build this this vision that was, you know, two years ago in 2017, uh, you know, going on three years, like it was a different vision of what of what blockchain technology was. There was a different style to it. Yeah, there's different, you know, technical limitations and all sorts of crazy stuff. Like I love I just get so inspired, you know, because this podcast has been around since uh June of 2017. And so we've just been able to speak with so many different uh people throughout the years. And, you know, it's just inspiring to see that even though, you know, whatever prices are really low compared to the old days, um, you know, the technical breakthroughs that we've had and all sorts of different you know, building and not even just the technical breakthroughs, but, you know, the liquidity that has come into the market is so much more robust. And, the, you know, the financial infrastructure and the rails in order to have, uh, you know, all these, uh, you know, traders and stuff, it's just really, really inspiring. It's, it's pretty cool um, to have gone through that. I, I, you know, we all met right around that same time. And uh, it's, it's a very interesting space of, of, People that believe in a future, that are optimistic, that want to learn, they want to be a part of something big, mm. uh, and they have the opportunity to be a part of something big. And un unfortunately, you know, angel investing, um, you know, is taking a different turn, and it's very difficult to get into the right projects of angel investing, and that's often procured for 
uh, elites in San Francisco. Yeah. And, um, and they have, they have access to the best deals and there's a barrier to that. Well, what, what crypto and, and the blockchain spaces offer is a completely different paradigm shift. And it's not just, it's not just about the cryptocurrency and the social movement, but it is about a, a future technology um, and, and a future platform that doesn't fit a mold uh, of, of Silicon Valley. Absolutely. Yeah. I'm curious about like, uh, your guys' management style, just, you know, out of my own personal curiosity, you know, Ben, I imagine you manage different people than, uh, Matthias does, but Ben, how would you describe Matthias's management style and Matthias, how would you describe Ben's management style? <laughs> oh man, look at that. Well, <laughs> you, don't pull any punches. <laughs> wow. Uh, you know, do you want to go, Matthias? I don't know. No, no, no. You go first. You go first. Yeah. We, we operate with um, humility is one of our major principles. And when we're right, it's we need to give each other accolades and acceptance and praise. And when we're wrong, we need to call each other out and provide that open forum. Um, you know, it's, it's like Ray Dalio um, wrote a lot about the, his principles in managing Bridgewater Capital. Mm-hmm. Uh, hedge fund and um, a lot of what they talk about whether you agree with them or not is they talk about humility and being able to call somebody out regardless of their rank or where they fit in it and to have that open dialogue uh, because it comes from a good a place of, of solid intention um, so the way that we that that I I personally manage is to let I want people to figure out their own shit I actually mm-hmm. say that figure out your own shit um, and own it, own it, own, own what you do well, own what you do wrong, come to the table, do your postmortem. How did you do, what did you like about this? What didn't you like about it? How would you do it in the future? And, um, and what risks do you want to take? So we also very encouraging of doing experiments. We do experiments all the time. I mean, we are an experiment, uh, <laughs> in so many different but, yeah, ways. Bitcoin is still an experiment. <laughs> totally, man. It totally is. And if you don't, if you think of yourself in these like rigid formats of how do you manage and, um, you know, we do have KPIs or key performance indicators and, uh, and other ways of assigning goals, but you have to be very malleable to be in a space like without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running everything would suddenly stop hospitals factories schools and power plants they all depend on you no matter the weather emergency or time of day you're the ones who get it done at granger we're here for you with professional grade industrial supplies count on real-time product availability and fast delivery call clickgranger.com or just stop by granger for the ones who get it done What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. 
Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. This because milestones, technology, communication styles uh, change rapidly. And it's for us as leaders to be able to figure out how to communicate effectively. And that's our number one rule is communication around, uh, around Constellation. How can we communicate effectively? Um, and that drives humility and being humble uh, and, and being honest um, about what we want and also being very vulnerable. Uh, mm-hmm. We're a very vulnerable team. We express where we don't feel heard or, or seen. Um, and that allows us to build really great things and persevere in a very uh, uncharted water territory. I like that. And Matthias, uh, what do you have to say on that? Yeah, I mean, that's a very broad topic in, in, you know, because it touches so many aspects of social interaction and how that, you know, associates with our personal style, our management style and everything. And as Ben has put it very succinctly, we have we have a, a set of values, a set of uh, uh, norms that we have actually codified in our constellation constitution. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, one of them is humility and other is, uh, you know, truth and openness, self-reliance. These are all aspects that we came to realize about ourselves and our management style that kind of like percolated to the surface after going through so many iterations and experiments and changes not only with the technology and 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 but also who we are as a team you know remember the bear market was very brutal a lot of companies didn't make it through and that puts a lot of strains on 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 teams on projects on companies and that all has been the furnace through which we developed ourselves how which we uh, you know fashioned the vision in a much more precise and clear narrative uh, how everything has developed and and these values are the ones that came up and we are centered around those and you know we call each other out on on things that that don't work but we also give each other praise on the things that do work and uh ben couldn't have said it better i mean we are in that sense you know co-managing we are we're managing together it's it's really in the spirit of of a team it's it's like we're that unified entity you know it, it goes back and forth and it's that fluid motion between people that, that want to make something happen in this world. And that's what projects into our wider community. So we are that core group and, and these values and behavior patterns, they then reflect into our community and they see that in our daily interactions in the way we speak and the way we behave. And they pick that up and they go like, hey, actually, I like how those guys roll. I, mm. I can associate myself with that. And it that creates that infectious moment where you realize, oh, wait a second, what we do actually resonates with other people. And then it creates that self-awareness and awakening where, where you actually are at the, at the seed of, a, of an entire movement. And um, that, yeah, that's, and really, it, that's really one of the things that I love and what is so unique about crypto is that community aspect and that almost call and response type relationship. Whereas, you know, there we we, you know, everybody knows that when you're a holder of a token, you are not an equity shareholder um, and you don't have those rights. However, um, the companies or the projects that do succeed, 
in this crypto space treat their community like they are equity shareholders. They do they do allow them that call and response r- relationship. So, I mean, a- as co-founders of of this decentralized community, uh, you know, how do you manage them and, and like how big is it and could you just give us a little color around your guys's relationship with the community? Yeah. Yeah. Um, we've had a we've had an interesting evolution of, of our community. And we were very silent for a while in the beginning as we wanted to figure out our own identity and who we are as a team, as a technology, as an ecosystem. And then, you know, we could come out of the, you know, Plato's cave, if you will. The stealth mode. uh, (laughs) Yeah, come out and be like, hey, this is who we are and this is our message. And by the way, we have something to say. Uh, And I think that, that a lot of, companies come out and they misidentify with who they are and they're supposed to be something uh, just because they raise money or because they live in a certain town or they're doing something. Uh, But that's not it it at all. And so our community, you know, we actually took a very um, serious approach to it where we said we had to be quiet for a while and then we came back and we listened to what they had to say. We took a lot of phone calls with individuals that had names like, you know, crypto foe. And we would take a phone call and be like, Hey, what do you, what do you have to say? Or crypto headroom. And if they had something to say, we listened to it. And the way we built trust was we would listen to them and then we would, we would implement some changes in the way we conducted ourselves or our business or how we articulated stuff. And then we would tell them what we're working on stuff that's very secret and we'd take time and we would see if they would share that in some capacity for better or worse. And so we did this dance back and forth uh, that built this kind of trust uh, amongst each other that allowed us the safe spot to go, hey, this is what we're working on. We need help here. And most entrepreneurs fail. It doesn't matter if you're in if you're doing an equity business or or a community driven business like crypto. Most companies fail because of the lack of humility. Mm. That's good. That's good stuff. Lack of asking for help. I don't know how to do this. Yeah. And, and I see it time and time again. I've invested in over 15 companies personally, and I see it time and time again. I've seen companies just close their doors, whether they have, that don't have a cryptocurrency that just are like, they tell us everything's great. And then they run out of money and they're like, well, I had too much pride. Well, who's there to support you? If something goes bad, you know, our community, we did have a community. We've got, you know, about a little over 10,000 people on Telegram. um, But, you know, and then we've got 100,000 people on Facebook. I don't know if that really matters because I look at all the other communities and I see more engagement uh, in our community in just an hour than I do in a whole day across many of the the larger cap uh, projects. And I see our community that's that expresses themselves and, and attempts to learn what our technology is. We don't have moon boys in there. Yeah. I know that's a fun component, but I often get uh, new people that come into our community and they're like, dude, there's no moon boys here. And I was like, no, they're people. Go ahead. Oh, I was just, I was just going to say like, it, it's such a unique uh, makeup of your community. How do you think that happened? Did you guys make a point to, you know, market to certain people or was it just a natural thing? Or do you guys have some kick-ass community managers? Well, that's, it's who we are. I mean, we're like, we're not moon boys. And we ask, we want to create a professional edge because we want real adoption. And so the way that, 
you know, they always say that culture always starts at the top. And, um, you know, it's like we lead by example and going like, hey, this is what we we want to do. Do I think we need to have more fun sometimes? Sure. And not take ourselves seriously, because at the end of the day, people want to have fun, whether it's in their day to day jobs and your boss says, hey, it's Friday, we're going to go to a bouncy room, um, you know, or something like that. Yeah. People at the end of the day want to feel appreciated. They want to feel heard. And they want to have a good time because life is stressful, man. Yeah. And life is short. Life is short. And you know, when you, when you stop putting, you know, stop saying like, that's good behavior or like endorsing behavior, like when moon, it's like, dude, get out of here. We got other things. We got, we got a world to change. You know what? The the, the world's not changing. If you're just going to say when, when moon, we want you to understand what we're building. And the way that we did that was that we went into our, a, a few leaders in our community and we said, hey, we want you to understand the impact of what we're doing. We'll give you information in like a very one-on-one basis and spend one-on-one time with you if you can tell our story better than we can. Mm. And, that, and that's how we really built that trust and we built a voice in a very active community that I think really believes in us. Um, and 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 you can just go there and check it out. And we call ourselves the best crypto, the best community in crypto. And I truly believe it. It's pretty awesome. I love it. And just for those of you listening who don't know the term "moon boy," uh, this is just a a kind of a funny little slang in the uh, the the crypto community where people back in 2017, the ICO days when the every was everything was crazy, things would moon and. You know, moon is you know a 10x or a 100x return on your investment, and you know then you'd get all these you know weird little people coming in your Telegram groups just saying you know when moon and you know when pump and all that kind of stuff. So that's what a moon boy is, and you don't want to be associated with them, and you don't want to be one yourself. Uh, and they're just you know helpless uh, speculators. They, they don't do anything. They're just there looking for for price appreciation, and they're not actually interested in you know, the people behind the project or the project itself or the technology and changing the world. Uh, it's just the selfish mindset. So it's good to hear that you guys like to kick those guys out. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it, you know, you know, there was a lot of people that in 2018, uh, that believed in the project and, um, you know, we did a private presale and some of them still believe in the project. And then there's a lot of people that just didn't bother to ask us if we need help. And, you know, that, you know, being in San Francisco and being in a community of startups, you always ask for help. Oh yeah. And, and you always give it see, out. Yeah. To see that, that, that dynamic of going like, Oh, these were these, this, this group were moon boys. They never, they were never really in it. Um, and then there's this group that really want to make this happen and, and see us through. Um, it's kind of one of those moments when you go, wow, who was with us through the, the thick and thin, uh, and it'll, it'll make the, it'll make the good times, uh, that much sweeter once the full raging bull market comes back and everybody's having good time in the sun, you could say, okay, you were around, you were around. And then you guys could all celebrate together. <laughs> yeah. When, what side of the fence do you want to be on when things, when things work out? Like, you know, you, you know, do you, you, you want to have an endorsement by the team that's still there and be like, oh yeah, that person was a good person. And I think exactly. this goes back to integrity. And we look at like, you know, what Constellation is doing is kind of building da- data integrity. How good is your data? Well, how good is your community? Like, do you have integrity? Mm-hmm. At the end of the day, can you show up and be like, like we treated that person well. Um, and that's how we want to be treated in life. And that's, that's why I don't, I don't, you know, it's, 
it doesn't have to be more complicated than be like, hey, we want to be treated with respect, right? Yeah. So so let's bring it back. Uh, you know, we, we're, we have got a few more minutes here um, and I want to bring it back to uh, the Constellation Network. And I know you guys have so many initiatives uh, going on. I, I, you mentioned the Air Force and the Department of Defense uh, and Quant, and I, I'm sure there's several others. Um, but what would you say is the most critical initiative that you guys are tackling right now? And, and kind of how are you guys going about that? Well, man, I... I, Matthias, I have a couple things to say, and I know what Matthias, there's a few things, and I'd love to hear Matthias' thoughts on this. And I would say first and foremost is education, uh, which is understanding what we're doing. Uh, We can all be a little too technical and um, and make it, it's sometimes difficult to understand uh, on what we're doing. So educating people on the impact that we're trying to make is such a powerful for full lead in that that's what we're focused on. You know, yes, of course, we're here to build the business. Yes, of course, we're here to, to sign people to use our network um, and build community. But really, we want to educate um, ourselves and our community. And it goes two ways because this is uncharted waters, as I mentioned. The other major component, I would say, is governance. Um, and I'd love for Matthias to talk a little bit about that. Right. Yeah. I mean, totally. I mean, governance is one one of the important topics for us, and we are at, an, at a very interesting point because, as we as we mentioned before, governance plays into that whole notion of sovereignty. That then plays into the notion of you know what we're doing at the core of our protocol, which is data sovereignty uh, and data validity. So, so how does that all play into how we govern ourselves and? And right now we are at a, at a very interesting stage because we are not quite governed on chain yet. And in crypto terms, that means that you have your governance and voting decisions basically notarized on the blockchain itself. And you have a, a, a management dashboard where you can see what the past votes are. We are not quite there yet, even though we are developing into that direction. So we are in in a in a more soft approach at this point where what we call emergent governance so we have collected in in all these communications and that growth process that we have been describing uh, in in this conversation there there have been many people coming to the forefront who really want to contribute on a fundamental level to what we're building, right? And they have different expertises they bring to the table. Some are very technical. Some are um, more from an investment standpoint. Some are more from a legal standpoint. And some have run other uh, governance projects in, in other blockchain companies. And so there's this wide variety of people that that came to us and and it it co-emerged basically that it was clear that these people want to contribute and we formalized that in in a governance group that has house rules that has voting rules and and we are governing ourselves and constellation has just one seat uh in that early governance um you know chamber basically and and we've already you know voted on a on a couple of uh, pretty fundamental decisions and once uh, we have conducted the token swap, then we will formalize that even more in the sense of an on-chain governance where everybody can see the voting proposals and, and what is up for vote. And, and 
And that's just on a technological side, but we also have a much broader vision of governance because in essence, what, what and, and you see I'm talking already a lot again because it's, it's such an exciting topic, but, but if you think about governance and especially governance of cryptocurrency projects, you can think of what, what does that network do? You know, you have a global network mm -hmm. that is governed by by its participants and and what are participants that could be node operators that could be you know uh, people that are actually affected by the network either as a user as a customer as as somebody who's in some form or fashion affected by the network should they have a stake in deciding what's going on in the network you know there are a lot of interesting questions that have not been finally fleshed out and again we're here at this point where you know once you make a step into something that hasn't been done before uh, and cryptocurrency and blockchain is definitely one of these steps and we're we're at that you know at that forefront and a lot needs to be fleshed out and uh, thought out and 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 addressed from very different angles on a global scale because never in history before did we have such a globalized movement of technology but also people that then can decide how how do we actually govern ourselves how do we want to work with each other how is this going to play out and how does that play out with existing legal uh, frameworks and limitations you know how does that play out oh, with yeah. different countries and 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 all these things so it's a very very interesting a place to be in and I could go on for hours about this but I don't you know uh, I realize that we are running short on time so I'll, I'll stop here no I, I think it's a great point and it just makes me feel like we're in um, almost like like the colonial days right when we were you know ratifying the declaration and the constitution and you have all these little different states coming up with their own laws and how do we govern people on you know local basises and also on broader basises. So it's just a really exciting time. And you know, it's not something that we really spend much time talking about here on Crypto 101, but it's such an important time because it, it, it's truly historic. And we're going to remember these things. Like These are the stories we're going to tell our grandkids because you know, we're going to be governed by blockchains and all of our machines and devices um, are going to be governed by blockchains in the future. And we're here in the making. Um, and so you boys are doing the Lord's work. Let me just tell you that. <laughs> 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 we're definitely pushing the conversation a little different and hopefully this uh with your listeners they they kind of hear a little different tone and self-expression absolutely so so i have um i have three questions left and these are generally questions that we you know ask everybody who comes on the show um and so you know ben i'll start with you um of all the companies in the space besides constellation network who do you think is having the greatest impact in in the crypto in the, space? in the crypto space? Um, God, that's that's tough. I I would have to say um, God, I feel like this is super biased, but uh, the Quant team, okay. Quant Network, uh, and working with Gilbert Viridian, um, they have expressed and been complete. Per, complete professionals and what they're building is an operating system that that kind of seamlessly allows uh, developers to use different protocols and so they take an agnostic approach 
and their focus is around interoperability amongst protocols. Uh, and I think that their ability to articulate the message to enterprise customers is a very fascinating uh, narrative. Amazing. Okay. And, and Matthias, let me ask you a different question. You know, if this is the first podcast that somebody was listening to uh, in the crypto space, right? They never really heard about crypto and they're just starting to dive in. What's one word of advice that you would give them? One word. Not one word, but you know, one, you know, one quick little, <laughs> one quick little snippet. Stop. <laughs> Stop. <laughs> That's my one um, word. <laughs> Don't. Uh, well, well, the one word would be learn. Okay. Um, but on a wider sense, to really make sense of this movement, and, and that's an advice I've given to a lot of people, is if you really want to understand what is happening here? You have to zoom out a on the historical timeframes we're moving in because we tend to be so tied down in our current now life situation. So zoom out a little into the historic perspective. And then when doing that, there is a, book, a very good book recommendation. Uh, it's by a Canadian uh, PhD. His name is Frederick Laloux. And he wrote a book uh, highly awarded. It's called Reinventing Organizations. And it lays down some organizational principles, but also, you know, sociological mental principles of how people can, you know, work and govern each other. And that ties very tightly and neatly uh, into the technological aspects of what blockchain infrastructure is enabling. So if you st if you understand that sociological side, then it makes it much easier for you to understand where this journey is going and what the technology is capable of expressing. Awesome. It's called Rethinking Organizations by uh, Frederick... Frederick Laloux. Laloux. Uh, okay, re perfect. reinventing organizations. Ah, perfect. Okay. Well, I just wrote that down. That's on my list. Uh, I love book recommendations. I'm a big reader. <laughs> so, um, and then Ben, the last question I have for you folks today is, you know, who's somebody, uh, that's really inspired you and it doesn't have to be in the crypto space. It could just be anybody like who's a role model for you. Oh man. Another uh, toughie. <laughs> that, that is a we just toughie. don't think of we don't think about these things, you know, every day. And I, I love asking people because it just provides so much color into into the people that are building the future. Like, just really a cool question. Yeah, uh, you know, man, I could you know I could go sentimental and say my grandfather, who is like first generation into the United States, and. You know, he went on to be the CFO of of a huge motor company called Packard Motor Company, oh, heck yeah. the first wire company, uh, copper wire company that sold the United Tech. And you think about these people, you know, and there's a picture of him growing up in a clay hut in North Dakota. Uh, that's pretty wild. Um, but I really think like any explorer. I mean, I, I feel like all of these are kind of like cliches, but um, like the like Lewis and Clark that came across America and you think about the terrain and how these people didn't have maps and like they're approaching like cultures that they didn't know existed and they don't speak mm. the same language and like food, they don't know what, you know, environments that they, they don't understand. And um, that there's like a certain intestinal fortitude that exists among, amongst these people that persevere anything that we can comprehend today. 
I think that's great. I, I don't think any of that's cliche. I mean, it relates so much to the life of an entrepreneur uh, and somebody who's also, you know, getting their feet wet in investing in the crypto space. You know, people get into all sorts of different environments and uncomfortable positions and and new things. So I, I think that relates really well to what we what we discussed today. So, gentlemen, thank you so 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 much for uh, spending an hour with me today. And, you know, where could the good citizens of Crypt Nation uh, join that big, wonderful community of yours? Yeah, um, as you're saying, <laughs> to get the the actual link to um, to our community. But uh, on Telegram, we're, we're on Telegram and, you know, our community, it, or you can go to Telegram and it's t.me slash Constellation Community. You can find us on Twitter. Uh, we're pretty vocal across to all these different platforms, but I would say you can find us on Telegram or find us on Twitter. You can see our impact of our community and the materials and how we express open innovation really comes to life across Twitter, Telegram, Discord. Um, and then always our website, constellationnetwork.io, that we have all of our resources, partnership, papers, uh, our announcement with the Department of Defense that we work closely with and um, any information on running the node on our network. Well, perfect. I can't wait for uh, to hear some feedback from the community and I, I hope that they get some color into your lives that they haven't heard before from this show. I hope so too. Thanks, Bryce. I really appreciate it, man. This has been a great experience and a great interview. You, you conduct a really strong interview and I can't thank you enough. <laughs> that means so much. Thank you, Matthias. Thank you, Ben. Thank you, Bryce. It was a pleasure. Crypt Nation, just a friendly neighborhood reminder to go to www.crypto2020summit.com and register for your free conference pass to the online summit, Crypto 2020 Summit. We got 60 speakers who are giving their bold predictions for prices and bold predictions for uh, technological developments in this crazy crypto space. So if you want to be the first to know the big news and you want to make sure that you're in touch and in tune, go to Crypto2020Summit.com right now and register for free. At Highland, we're all about celebrating little wins and little ways to innovate digital processes. There's no customer pain point too small for us to help with. Maybe that's why more than half of the Fortune 100 looks to Highland to connect their content and data, improve processes, and turn little efficiencies into big wins for their customers and clients. Highland, intelligent content solutions for innovators everywhere at highland.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.